0: i just feel like i've been around the block ripping up fantasy stock working around the clock look at the view from the top mm. researching rookies a lot no i just be listening to pods yeah one in particular i'm just a messenger let me just pass on the rock uh. browning brunning bruning pronouncing ain't what he's doing what he's doing is not losing but infusing you with new things in this then it's the bennett yeah Sly as a fox, coach it in pop, give him his props, here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try, careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake, whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, whoa, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go.
3: What is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast we are back to recap week one and already some of us at least are in misery of the way that our lineups and leagues have panned out it's a 2021 is kicking off just the way 2020 ended for me when it comes to fantasy football I hope you two are having much more success than I am how you guys doing after the first weekend of football.
2: I am undefeated, but then again, I'm only counting the teams that won. So yeah. I'm doing great. <laughs> now, I, I mean, it's funny how it works when you've got like a bajillion teams and you just separate yeah. out all. But yeah. So I'm not counting those because I'm intentionally rebuilding. No, I, I'm, you know, it's a mixed bag. Some teams I thought were going to be good and they underperformed. My son, who's 10, his we, we have, we're we in the league together, the kids' first dynasty league, so his first game was yesterday. And going into last night, he was up by 20, and he had Matt Gay, and his opponent had Robert Woods and Tyler Higby, And so I was like, oh, it's going to be a sweat. He ended up winning by seven, but it was largely thanks to Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Zeke shitting uh, the bed on that other guys team so I mean it's been a whirlwind weekend with football back my 16 year old bought his first car which is crazy bought a 1967 Thunderbird beautiful car my 10 year old started a training with a pitching coach today who said for 10 years old he's got the most natural throwing motion and anybody he's seen at that age I don't know maybe he's trying to get us to buy a larger package of the coaching it seems like it's working
1: so yeah, yeah, I can
2: understand that.
1: Well, I was happy the Broncos won. Um, so that you know, at least that worked oh. out. Some some of my teams are doing good. Some of them are doing about as well as Hunter Renfro's hairline. So
3: yeah, bringing that joke <clears throat> back, I like it.
1: Yeah, well, no, you know, at least one of all our, season. You almost well, at least uh, at least
3: one of our teams won, right? Because oh god, I really don't want to talk you know, about I that have game. To say,
1: the Lions. <clears throat> We'll get to it, but they looked a lot better.
3: It was I great. I, I, I enjoyed that game. Uh, before we get into breaking that down, we are very proud to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. Uh, you can find them on Twitter. They have a ton of great other podcasts, not just football, and I'm only going to mention football. Once this time, hockey, baseball, soccer, everything. Go check them out. We are cloud. Uh, we are clout proud to be a part of that number one of these days i'm gonna get that done correctly without I thought you're call a- do you have it written down? i do have it written down but English is like, not my first language and i don't read very well i don't speak Listen. very well i don't do numbers again I'm just a pretty face people and really I'm like Listen a four out of ten so episode, you know Dennis,
1: I'm pronouncing it yeah I
3: mean, I mean, doing.
2: I, i'm just you know
3: i fail so at everything in,
2: in my ramble at the beginning i forgot the most exciting part that you film nerds will like uh, one of my passengers today was the venerable actor, Mr. Uh, Michael Pena. Ah. super nice guy. He was Ant-Man's in town friend. he He was in town uh, playing in a charity golf tournament. Uh, really nice guy. So that was pretty cool. That's one of the perks of my my uh, did regular Did show. he
3: do like a breakdown of the golf tournament like he does in Ant-man because that would be I'm thinking of the right person okay. right, Matt. I'm not messing yeah. that up. Where uh, he, I love. Where I love.
1: Yeah. What happened when, yes. Uh, very
3: quickly. Very, yeah. Love it. No, I love no. it. He's 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 an awesome actor. Seems like an amazing human being as well. So
2: no, he he didn't because we got to talking about music because he actually got his start as a musician, a drummer and bass player. And so with my 16 year old being a musician, we just kind of got off track talking about music and and whatnot. So, but. Well, on to the business part of it. Uh, hey, do you guys? You, you, it sounds like you got. I've got something that you guys need, and, and need me bad.
3: definitely. Yes, me badly. Yes.
2: So get the tools to help Bob Harris reach fantasy football Hall of Fame. The FootballDieHards.com has the Flash Update Pro, constantly updated throughout the season. Every week after things after the games end, Bob and the team at Football Diehards are updating the the cornerback wide receiver matchups, the projections, the rankings. Uh, there's different tools, the cheat sheets, the consistency tools, target distribution, snap counts. So many tools on there that that you just can't believe it. I mean, I don't know about you guys. For me, Bob Harris is uh, can't miss radio when he's on Sirius XM. I'm always looking forward to football diehards. But if you use our, our, our code, roundtable, you must be contagious, Matt. Because I'm stumbling. Uh, our code roundtable, you get an additional 15% off the already low price of $24. Go to footballdiehards.com slash updatepro and use code roundtable. Man, for those of you that are listening and not watching, you should watch. That was really cool, what Matt just did.
3: We've got a couple of them. i will switch them up here and there. won't use the same ones every time. All right, so let's go in and talk about these games uh, from Sunday. We're going to kick it off with the Eagles beating the Falcons 32 32- to six and Jalen Hurts was impressive three touchdowns 64 yards rushing uh overall very good game Devonta Smith looked good Jalen Rager Dallas Goddard Miles Sanders everybody in this uh game looked good for the Eagles but Hurts was the one who stands out Matt we talked a lot about this on Friday I was very high up on Hurts this week were you impressed with Jalen Hurts and do you think he's in for a big season
1: I'm not going to overreact too much to one single game but I will say Come on, man it's
2: the first week of the season everybody's overreacting
1: yeah I um I did eat a little bit of humble pie today looking at that um I you know First of all, I had to actually watch Daniel Jones go over the top on Denver Super Secondary a couple of times. Another guy who I said wouldn't be starting in 2022. And then I watched the highlights of Jalen Hurts. So, it, you know, humility is something that we all need in life. And week one is always here to provide it. Hurts, he, right now he's sitting as QB6 for the week. Um, which is pretty impressive. He's definitely going to finish in the top 10. That's what a lot of people thought he had the potential to do. He looked good. I was excited to see Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager do well. Goddard seems to be actually the favorite tight end over Ertz, which was good. Miles Sanders enjoying one of the few games he'll be healthy this season. Um, But the Falcons are not very good. So I would like to – they play the 49ers um, this next week. Uh, If he can do it again, then – you know, I'll be willing to say I was I was dead wrong. For now, he had a great week. I did not predict that, and props to Jalen Hurts. He was the best of the Alabama quarterbacks this week.
2: You know, I I, I agree with Matt. It's there. There's a lot to take away from it, in that Hurts did look good. Uh, I had him ranked as QB six this week. So if if Lamar doesn't go. QB one, like I have him projected, uh, I could nail the the Hertz call, but I I I felt like Hertz was going to get there on his legs. Three touchdown passes, that uh, I think I'll take that. I'm still skeptical because I mean I mean he, it was Atlanta's defense, and while uh, I think we all had projected Houston to have the worst defense, maybe Atlanta has the worst defense. I don't know. Houston's defense looked good against Jacksonville, but maybe that's Jacksonville. Urban might be turning in his resignation going to USC. So, Yeah,
3: I was going to say something about that when we got to that game. Yeah, I mean, for me, the most impressive part was the fact that he did it passing. And the passes that he did, like that pass to, to Devonta Smith in the corner of the end zone, was absolutely beautiful. and So if he continues to play, I'm not going to overreact either. I've been the highest on him out of the three of us. I don't think he's going to get replaced this season. Matt, we, we kind of talked a little bit, of bit back and forth about that. You think Gardner Minshew might take over at some point. No, I think it's going to be the – Okay, well, we I think it's going to be the hurt show regardless moving forward. I think he has a chance to keep that job as well. But it is week one. We know Atlanta is going to be one of the worst teams. I, again, I've said all along kind of what Dennis mentioned – I thought the legs would be the biggest thing. So to see him go out there and do it with his arm, that is not only surprising, but good for Jalen Hurts. On the Falcons' side, they looked like a mess. Should we be worried about Calvin Ridley and specifically Kyle Pitts? Um, you know, I, I keeping my bet out of it, a lot of people really thought Kyle Pitts was going to be the truth at tight end. He did absolutely nothing here. 31 yards on four receptions. Dennis, again, I know it's only week one, but are we worried about Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts?
2: You mean the two guys who led the Falcons in targets? Those two guys? I mean, no, we're not worried. They're going to have a bad game. They're adjusting. The team in general is... Probably They're going to be behind, so it comes down to Ridley and uh, Pitts. They have to convert with their opportunities. Uh, eight targets is, is decent volume, uh, but uh, Ryan did spread it around a little bit. I, I think that if people are panicking on Pitts or Ridley right now, send me trade offers. I I'll, I'll take them off your hands. I'm not worried. Matt Ryan is it, is it let's see, he was good last year. So he's probably going to suck this year, but even in years that Ryan sucks, the the receivers typically a couple of them are going to perform well. Um, Pitts and Hurst were both on the field over 60% of the snaps. Uh, but you know, don't panic. Just relax. Take it easy. R-E-L-A-X. Relax.
1: So, I mean, I don't know if it's panic or it makes me think I need to moderate my expectations. You know, I had Calvin Ridley potentially being wide receiver one this season. I get what you're, you know, Dennis is saying that they're going to be behind and have to throw a lot. That was definitely the situation this week. They were behind by a lot. They threw it 35 times. You know, Ridley and Pitts each saw eight targets, which, you know, I feel like Ridley saw more targets last year. They also did handoffs an alarmingly high amount of the time, considering what the score was. I guess the concern probably is more. We, you know, they changed offensive schemes. I think we were thinking about the Falcons from last year, and this is the Arthur Smith Falcons, and he was out there acting like he still had Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry's cousin uh, to run for him. That gave me a moment of pause. So it's not that I don't. Henry's little cousin
2: Mike is what he had.
1: It's not that I don't think they're going to target those guys. I'm just thinking maybe the Falcons are going to be much worse than we thought, and with a new system, maybe that's much worse for our chances of seeing the heights that we saw out of red last year.
3: Yeah. I mean, the volume part is going to be key as Dennis mentioned for them, at least sustaining some kind of upside. But my fear with that is something Matt just mentioned, possibly with the change of offense, the fact that neither one scored a touchdown. I mean, it was not a against an Eagles team where I think, that's probably one of the teams they have a better chance of scoring against to only get two field goals. We expected Ridley and Kyle Pitts to be in the top tier at their positions and if they're not going to be able to score touchdowns, it doesn't matter how many catches and yards they get, they're going to be limited. So that's my biggest fear for them. Again, the the volume that Dennis mentioned with them getting is definitely a good thing and that's going to lead to them scoring fantasy points, but we need them to score touchdowns if we want them to be, you know, I think we all had him ridley top three or four at wide receiver yeah. and Pitts in top five we yeah. you need to score again it's only one week so we don't want to freak out too much but we do oh. need them to score eventually
1: only one of those consensus top three for us actually looked like a consensus top three receiver this week so
3: yeah <laughs> it was uh, not a good start Hopkins. for you and me no nope. I will never doubt, well, I didn't doubt Hopkins anyways, but yeah, that was, um, that was not a, uh, we'll get to Adams, that, that was bad. Next up, the Steelers beat the Bills in a very weird uh, defensive game, They're 23-16, slow start here for Najee Harris in this one, uh, just 45 yards on 16 carries, didn't get much. TV game, either just four yards on one catch. Deontay, Claypool, and Juju all looked fairly decent for the way that that game went. Dennis, are you worried at all about Najee Harris, uh, the rookie running back for the Steelers?
2: Well, we, we've seen historically that the Steelers like to use a bell cow back. Najee Harris is built like a bell cow back. Uh, Buffalo's defense isn't, uh, it's not a joke. They're, they're a pretty good defense. The question coming into the week was, would Najee be able to perform well enough to uh, cover up some of the deficiencies of the offensive line? You know, he's going to have some games like this, I think, this year while they figure out exactly what, the, what he can accomplish. I mean, he, he caught, what did he catch, three or four passes as well? Uh, he didn't have a lot of yards, but he was still. He caught in, one pass, or uh, three or four targets. He had three targets, yeah.
3: So yeah, three targets he, for one catch, four yards.
2: He, he's getting; they're involving him in the passing game. He's he's on the field. He he's gonna be fine. I'm not overly concerned. I think, I think our consensus rankings, we all had him like somewhere between like ten and sixteen or eighteen, somewhere in there. I think that's a. A reasonable season-long outcome for him, uh, unless he gets hurt. I, I think they're going to figure it out. You know, Ben is a smart quarterback, and Ben will continue to. He'll end up putting them in plays as they go further, go further into the season. Ben will get them into the right play. Uh, you know, they've got a new offensive coordinator this year, so there's some of that that they're some of the kinks of that are live action. You know, defenses in the in uh, preseason weren't playing sophisticated defenses against anybody. So there's some of those those teams that have had changes at head coach or offensive coordinator, uh, installing new schemes, modifying schemes, adding new people. Some of those things with going to three preseason games, there's going to be a lot more working it out the first few weeks of the season. So I'm still in on Najee Harris. Uh, I think he's going to have a fine season.
1: Yeah. It wasn't a very great uh, offensive game in general for the Steelers. They had 53 total offensive plays, sub-200 yards passing. Of those 53 offensive plays, 16 carries, 3 targets, 19 total went to Najee Harris. And if you look at the running plays, they had 21. Four of those were runs from Mathisberger. I'm not thinking those were called runs. So if we're looking for reasons to feel good, 17 rushing plays called. He had 16 carries. He was getting the volume. I like the potential role in the offense. It wasn't a robust offensive game for anyone in Pittsburgh and not really much for Buffalo either.
3: Yeah, this was one of the early games I was paying a lot of attention to, and I think a lot of that was the Buffalo Bills defense. They are one of the better defenses. They were in the backfield a lot, and we know that Pittsburgh is working through some new offensive line uh, members here and, and really an, uh, almost an all brand new offensive line. They were ranked one of the worst ones by a lot of people. So Najee probably going to struggle a little bit here at the onset, but I agree. He's he's going to be really good moving forward. Unfortunately, the three of us, Matt, we had him ranked at uh, me, you and Brandon had him ranked at 14 this week only came in about 23 spots lower than that, so, you know. But the volume, but, uh,
1: based on the volume, I don't think it was the yeah. wrong rank. You just, no, not you at all. You don't know what I, the success is going to be. Like, I,
3: I like to give us a, a little bit of crap on oh. some of those, and that was, it, you know. It was but it, it, I, not I our worst call. <laughs> No, not at all. Uh, On the Buffalo side, uh, surprisingly, Zach Moss was a healthy scratch. Devin Singletary, though, does go out and have a pretty good game here. Uh, 72 yards on 11 carries, does not get a touchdown, uh, does add eight yards on three catches in the receiving game. Uh, Matt, do you think, is he the guy now? I mean, I haven't heard why Moss got scratched, but I I found it a little bit weird because a lot of people – this offseason, we're all in on Zach Moss being the guy.
1: Yeah. And it certainly seems like, um, you know, I guess we'll have to see a few more games to see if this was matchup based uh, the same way. You know, Thursday night, I think Dallas went in with a game plan deciding that based on the defense they were playing, they were going to minimize the run and focus on the pass. Last year, Buffalo's offense almost entirely at times seemed to. Uh, have running as an afterthought. The thought was, based on the offseason, that they were going to try to run more. Maybe that was just wishful thinking or us putting our own analysis on them. Because if you look at the way they actually did the game, if you take out Allen's nine rushes, they only had uh, 16 running plays. 11 of them went to Singletary. They had Breida in there a couple times. They ran a reverse to McKenzie. It doesn't seem like running is you know, totally a focus, even with Josh Allen running, they only ran 25 times versus 51 passes. So if running going to be minimized, they may like Singletary. Singletary may fit better what they're doing. It seems like last year he was a better blocker and maybe that's the case, but he seems to be the better bet. If you're going to bet on one of them, I still think right now the Buffalo running back is a flex value at best.
2: Yeah. I, I wouldn't be going out trying to acquire uh, singletary hoping I can rely on him week to week. I think you're spot on with the, it's a matchup based thing that their Buffalo don't, doesn't have any issue abandoning the typical run game because they know in crucial situations, Josh Allen can drop back and then take off and run. So they're not having to worry about a traditional running game because they've got a six, 250 pound quarterback that runs a four or five, five. Uh, I, I think that single Terry, you know, would have been nice for him to get to touch, get a touchdown somewhere. Uh, he played 75%. What was it? 75% of the snaps versus 12% for Breda. So they clearly, when they were going to run the ball, it was going to be single Terry involved in, in the play. And that, that was the game plan. If, Next week, they decide to be closer to a 50-50 pass run split as opposed to a, what was it, 60-40, 65-35. 66-33. Yeah. If they they decide they're going to be closer to a 50-50 split, I wouldn't be surprised if Moss is active. So it'll it'll be a weird – it's definitely one of those situations that 90 minutes before kickoff, you're looking for the inactives for the rest of the, the season.
1: I think the question we have to ask yeah. ourselves is this, what did Moss say about Sean McDermott's mom in the pregame that just got him benched? I mean, clearly not something very nice. Uh, that that That's
3: obvious. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunately stuff that you're going to have to watch, but I, I think we all kind of knew that. We knew this was going to be one of those backfields that was not going to be fun to deal with if you rostered any of the players in there, whether it was Singletary, Moss, or Breida. just means now you're going to have to pay even more attention to them. The Bengals beat the Vikings here 27-24. On the Vikings side, Adam Thielen with another big game here. I mean, we continue to, like, knock this guy down. He's like the uh, Robert Woods of the uh, – well, Robert Woods is in the NFC. I was going to say he's the Robert Woods of the NFC. They're both in the NFC. The <laughs> Robert Woods, That's, He's the Robert Robert how Woods of the we Vikings. Think
1: about Woods.
3: <laughs> I know. My God. Poor Robert Woods. He's the Robert Woods of the Vikings. We continue to downgrade him because of how good Justin Jefferson was. Nine for 92 and two. Matt is stealing
1: in for another huge season. Yeah. It seemed like. Uh... When Irv Smith was lost for the year, that was going to be a good bump for Thielen. But was interesting to me yesterday was target distribution. So Thielen ended up with the most targets, ten, and he's he's been efficient the last couple of years on that. Also interesting to me, the KJ Osborne saw nine targets. I don't know if it was a matter of coverages. I don't think of the Bengals as having a particularly robust secondary, um, but you know, Adam Thielen's been a touchdown machine. If he can also continue to get, uh, receptions and yardage, we're going to have to vault him way up. I think.
2: Yeah. I, I think it, when Smith went down, Thielen's ADP started to rise pretty significantly. Uh, we've seen historically that he can do, he can put up fantasy points with low yardage because he does get into the end zone at a pretty good clip. Uh, but yeah, K.J. Osborne, yeah, you know, that's I, if he's if he's not in a waiver wire article this week, I'm going to have to question uh, whoever's writing that waiver wire article, because I think K.J. Osborne is going to be one of the, the hottest yeah. waiver wire names out there. The question is, though, is it sustainable for him? You know, uh, Zimmer wants to run the ball. What He ran that uh, cook. He ran the grand cook 20 times. So I don't know how much more uh, running of the ball you can ask out of Minnesota. So that was 20 20 times out of 83 plays. So Cook carried the ball almost 25% of the plays. Uh, I don't know. I I think Osborne might really be a thing unless Conklin or Herndon suddenly become something uh, at the tight end. I, I feel like it's going to be more of a Cincinnati situation with the three wideouts and very little tight end usage. It was a
1: classic uh, Chris Herndon game, though. Plenty of uh, pregame hype. <laughs> Two targets, zero receptions for zero yards. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, Jefferson got nine targets, uh, same as same as K.J. Osborne. I, I think Jefferson's probably viewed as the one now, though, at this point with the season he had last year, which probably helps out Adam Thien a little bit little bit. So, also be honest, I'm not really – I mean, I am personally. I would not be able to make a catch against the Bengals secondary, but I don't think some NFL players are that worried about the Bengals secondary. So I don't expect Thielen to have games like this continuing moving forward. Jefferson, I think, will end up being the better wide receiver. But I'm very curious to see if Thielen can finish top 13, 14, 15. We all kind of downgraded him when we did our wide receiver ranks. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going up there and and, and finishing as a, a top 15 wide receiver yet again. On to the Bengals' side, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Who would have thunk it, right? I mean, dude couldn't catch a cold in the middle of winter, but goes out there and makes an amazing uh, touchdown grab for 50 yards. But, hey, who knew? Who knew it was coming? He's he's not very good at football, so I'm told. Uh, But, anyways, he goes out there. They look solid. Joe Mixon rushes for 127 yards and has four receptions. Matt, is this it? Is this it? is Joe Mixon going to finally finish as an RB1 for fantasy football?
1: I mean, you have to like the usage, and there's nobody really behind him, so that was all encouraging. We thought they were going to run quite a bit. Uh, The Vikings' defense wasn't great last year. Um, Hard to say if they've improved. Um, So we'll see what it looks like when they start playing uh, other. They play the Bears' front um, this next week, um, so that might be a little stiffer of a challenge. Uh, But I – you know as long as Mixon can stay healthy i think he's he's an rb1 yeah
2: i don't uh, i mean he's gonna get the volume so my ryan isn't a threat chris evans isn't a threat they're all they're gonna de- get sprinkled in given him given uh Mixon a break here and there but I would be very surprised unless the Bengals are up by two scores late in the game to see another running back go in for a full series. Um, You know, Mixon, yesterday Mixon showed the talent that everybody who's been, Joe Mixon's going to be an RB1 for the last 74 years has been talking about. He he showed it yesterday. I think if they had, if they invested in the offensive line, I can only imagine what could have become of Joe Mixon in that game uh, or the passing game. I mean, they wouldn't have been having to claw and scratch and go into overtime. I think we – did we all pick the Vikings in that game, if I remember? No, I was the only one that picked the Vikings. I was on the Bengals, baby. We picked the
1: Bengals. Which was looking good when they were up 10 and then uh, got suddenly terrifying when it went to overtime. So, yeah I yeah I, I was a little bit worried about that too.
2: I, I'm not concerned about mixon I think you're gonna keep him in in the lineup until something happens and I'm gonna try to avoid the dread of thinking something always happens it's coming soon uh, and because I want to just send him positive vibes.
3: Yeah, I think injury is literally the only thing that holds him back from from being a RB1 this season. The 49ers and the Lions, which turned out to be a very interesting game, which I would not have thought after the first half there. The 49ers do end up pulling out the win 41 to 33. Jimmy G. Yeah,
2: go ahead. Mixon was an RB1 in 2018, for the record.
1: When was 2018? He was RB10. He was RB10. Anything pre COVID feels like it was the last decade. So you're just. I've only been. Thoughts to yourself.
3: I've only been playing fantasy football for a year. I did not know it existed outside of twenty twenty so thank you I did not know thank you Dennis i, I, was, not a, I was not sure of that no uh, so Jimmy G goes for three hundred plus yards Uh oh, what I do? I messed up the sh- I messed up my my notes here <laughs> while Debo Samuel explodes. Trey Sermon, another very interesting healthy scratch, while Mostert gets injured. Elijah Mitchell comes in and goes for 104 yards and a touchdown. Dennis, is Elijah Mitchell real? Is he a guy we should be focusing on for the waiver wire?
2: Well, he's as real as anybody else I've ever seen on TV is real to me. So I'm going to believe that it, you know he's as real as the cast of Big Brother. He's as real as the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. He's as real as the crew on below deck Mediterranean.
1: Good Lord so, what do you watch on TV uh, when you're not watching football?
2: I, I, I love my wife dearly same um, I I Mitchell, you, you know he came out of Louisiana was it Louisiana Tech or Louisiana Monroe? I thought it was University Louisiana. of Louisiana. One of those, those UL, you're yeah. talking
3: about Mitchell? Yeah, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah UL. One of those UL.
2: not Louis LSU schools in Louisiana. Um, you know, he had a good reputation as being a good runner, a, a decent all around back, good size, fair speed. You know, I think he was a 4'4'5 four, four, guy. So he came in as the less heralded draft pick and just went to work doing the things that you need to do as a 6th round pick. He didn't try to overdo it and you know it was weird i i was listening to uh howard bender on sirius xm on my way home today and uh he was basically giving the beat writers hell saying you know you guys are the ones who are supposed to be getting the stories that's your job as the beat writers you know why why is it that we don't know that they're unhappy with brandon iuke you know why is it that you you know, we're waiting until Sermon isn't inactive and then you guys all say, oh, well, yeah, you know, he got leapfrogged by Hasty and, and, and Mitchell. I, I think it's a situation to monitor, but I wouldn't be surprised next week if Mitchell is active and plays 10% of the snaps. I wouldn't be surprised if Mitchell is inactive and doesn't play at all. I wouldn't be surprised if Mitchell was active, started the game, and was the only running back to touch the ball. I mean, it's San Francisco. What are you going to do? It's
1: Chinatown, almost literally. I would like to also say that the fact that I was able to remember that Elijah Mitchell attended Louisiana is the positive influence that uh, Matt and Felix and Austin have brought to my life. Um, You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah.
3: I'll say it for and the group.
1: Yeah. Raheem Mostert, they announced today, has a knee cartilage damage. I'm no a medical expert, but that sounds bad for somebody who runs for a living. He, they said, will be out for at least eight weeks. We know Wilson was a long shot to come back. <laughs> that, That's the look of all of us, that roster Raheem Mostert. Because he actually, on the two carries he made, he looked fantastic. 20 yards. He had an 11-yard carry, a 9-yard carry. He always looks fantastic when he's running. Work. It's just... I, yeah. I'm actually wondering if that wasn't the last two carries he's ever going to have as a 49er, because there was some conjecture that he might be on the chopping block. We know it's his last year of his contract. Dude can't stay on the field. Mitchell looked pretty good. 19 carries demonstrates a pretty hefty workload. He made good use of those carries. Pasty was active. I personally think they'll probably have all three of those guys active. Sermon will probably end up getting activated at least next week. Whether he gets to contribute much of anything um, will be interesting. But it's, you know, it seemed like all offseason, we like George Kittle. We weren't sure if he could stay healthy, but we thought for sure it was going to be Brandon Ayuk and Trey Sermon and that Jimmy G was just going to be a seat warmer for a game and a half. He looked incredible. Debo Samuel looked incredible. Elijah Mitchell looked incredible none of the people we thought were gonna be great looked incredible so it's a typical 49er season
3: yeah I mean the only thing I would say is I think if if mostert's gonna be out for eight weeks or I guess as a lot of people are now calling him most hurt uh then I think Trey sermon will uh, definitely be viable now but I will go out and pick up Elijah Mitchell I do think that that is a with the fact that he supposedly beat out Sermon, I, I don't trust Hasty. Uh, Sermon is a very good running back. I honestly think something – I know there was a lot of fake reporting out there, but what really happened with Sermon and Ayuk, I've got to think something happened that got them in the doghouse for for something to be able to not be out there that game. I think both I will talked be talked about the though. coach's
1: mother again. I mean, they man, in, these, masse, these,
3: these just kids, not... man, these kids. Oh, what's wrong with them? Oh, no, I messed my whole camera up by doing that. See, look at that anger. Uh, I've got a problem just like these these darn kids. All right. Anyways, the lion side of things. They mounted a fierce comeback. Golf goes off for more than 300 yards and no receiver has more than 50. Aside from Swift and Hawkinson and Jamal Williams, Dennis, are you starting any Lions in fantasy football?
2: Well, I I mean, we play in some deep leagues, so we're going to be forced to start at least one Lions wide receiver at some point, one of us is. So the question becomes, is it Williams? Is it Cephas? Is it St. Brown? Which one of those guys are we going to be forced to start on an injury-riddled bye week? And are we going to get 8, 10, 12 points out of said player? You know, Goff in L.A. was able to make Robert Woods and Cooper Cup perennial top 15 wide receivers. Granted, he's running the uh, Sean McVay system there, which is different than the Anthony Lynn system. But Anthony Lynn was able to rack up a shit ton of points for Keenan Allen uh, and periodic second wide receiver, Mike Williams. So is, I, I would expect that Hawkinson's still going to be the, he's the real deal going forward. Uh, Swift and Williams, I think we got a good look at what, what their role is going to be, how they're going to be partnered together. The wide receiver thing is going to come down to figuring out if one establishes themselves as the top. And at this point, after one week, I don't think we really know uh, if one of them's going to become the guy who gets 50% of the wide receiver targets.
1: Yeah, that's it for me. I mean, we saw a perfect example of what we think we're going to see from Detroit a lot this year. They were down. They had to throw. They had to do big comeback. They, they had 56 pass attempts. 30 of those targets went to Hawkinson and the two running backs. I feel great about starting them swift and williams split the carries uh split 20 carries both of them look like they're going to be viable plays hawkinson looked great wide receivers they targeted five different receivers and a couple other extraneous tight ends dennis is right if somebody establishes themselves and starts making the most of those That's going to be great. Cephas ended up getting a touchdown. So if you played wide receiver roulette and you threw him in there, he got three catches for only 12 yards, but he got a touchdown. So he got in there. Khalif Raymond caught a couple of deep ones. Trinity Benson got six targets. You know, they're using everybody. They're throwing a lot to the wall to see what sticks right now. I'm not hoping to start any of them.
3: Yeah, it's just the two running backs in Hawkinson for me. We, we talked about him. I think Jamal Williams is the one that surprised me a little bit. You know, we knew Anthony Lynn was doing a lot of talking him up this offseason. I wasn't expecting him to look as good as he did yesterday. Uh, he's the guy that actually put in a couple lineups yesterday because of the Zach Moss news late. Uh, I'm he's very a excited. to see. running back.
2: Uh, he, Williams, he really is. a running back.
3: He really is. He looked good, and if they're going to continue to use him that way, I, I think he's a worthy flex every single week, and he's a guy who I think I'm going to rank that way every single week as well because I expect them to continue to rely on the run and, and the way those two work together. Um, they they looked really, really good. The Cardinals beat up the Titans 38-13. to We thought this was going to be a high-scoring game. We just did not think it was going to be a one-sided game. Arizona comes out big here christian kirk though matt you were the only one talking about christian kirk he goes five for 70 and two the best wide receiver on the day besides deandre hopkins who goes six for 83 and two you know rondell Moore in his first game four for 68 matt are we buying christian kirk is or or should we be he's not he can't be rostered so are we picking him up and starting him moving forward
1: well, he's rostered in quite a few leagues I play in because if you're going you to ta- ta- you somebody him. you're yeah. to
3: take. <laughs> I mean, know, not I was... other leagues that Matt Fox is not, like six leagues in the rest of the world that you're not in. He is not rostered.
1: I was encouraged by the production, but I'm going to say I'm not going to take any kind of victory lap right now because he had five targets. Rondale Moore had five targets. AJ Green had six targets. Hopkins had eight. They were a very great offense. Kyler Murray looks great. Um, their offense looks great. We thought their offense was going to look great. I think there's potential. The only thing I like about Kirk more than the other two is he was the guy no one seemingly was talking about this offseason. A lot of people were bullish on Rondale Moore. It's hard to get shares of him where he was going. A lot of people thought it was going to be a renaissance for A.J. Green, and maybe those things happen. Kirk is the guy that's quietly returning value. It's contract year for him. I hope he can keep this up. But I mean, he had five seventy and two touchdowns on five targets, so he caught everything thrown to him Kirk, and made the most of it.
2: Yeah, I I think for me, you know, I wrote up a Dynasty Darlings article that released this morning, and it was three rookies and Christian Kirk. I mean, since Kirk has come out, we've been waiting for him to develop something along the lines of consistent production. And let's see, what was his, he played 57% of the snaps with uh, Moore played 29%. Where was Green? Hopkins was at 88% and Green was at 80. So Kirk produced on wide receiver three snap share. Uh, it's gonna be hard. I. I I think he's, you know, is A.J. Green washed is, I think, the question that affects can Christian Kirk keep producing. If A.J. Green keeps playing like he did last year and and has the kind of production like he did in this game, um, I think that the the opportunity is there for Christian Kirk until the other teams figure out they don't have to guard A.J. Green, in which case they'll shift over to Christian Kirk. So then it becomes, well, what happens with Rondale Moore? So there's going to definitely be some moving pieces going forward. Uh, You know, Kirk right now, I I don't think you can trust him as anything more than a flex. You know, maybe somewhere around wide receiver four or five, maybe even as low as six. I'd probably feel comfortable as my wide receiver six. So in a start three wide receivers with three flexes, then I'm probably going, okay, I think I'm deciding on Kirk as my final flex. If I have to get pushed up to my second flex, then I'm starting to feel a little bit iffy about it. So I, I, I don't hate him, but he i had want an him.
1: incredible so, day on my bench in yeah. all those things where I haven't.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I think he could
3: push for a wide receiver three or four. Uh, the biggest thing with last year, he wasn't healthy and realistically, as much as I love Larry Fitzgerald, he's a hall of famer. I think it's fair to say right now, based on where Larry was in his career and where Hopkins is in his, he's playing with a better wide receiver opposite of him. You also bring in a guy like Rondale Moore who can realistically really change the way that offense is run with the wide receiver screens and everything. I think Kurt could be in health. He's got to stay healthy all year. He's dealt with nagging injuries. I'm pretty sure almost every year he's been in the league. If he can stay healthy, they are going to pass the ball line, and we saw it yesterday. I mean, Murray did not run it that much. And I think some of that with five attempts, and I think some of that was he's he's even said it in the offseason. He does not want to risk getting injured like he did last year. I think they are going to be a more pass-friendly offense, and you can throw the ball to Hopkins. Uh, triple covered we've seen it he he won them a hell mary triple covered last year against buffalo but you're gonna have to spread the ball around at times and if christian kirk can stay healthy i think he really can benefit from that so i think kirk could be in for a big season on the Titans side here uh not a great game overall for them derrick henry and julio struggled a.j brown was okay uh Ju- you know chester rogers got targeted as many times as julio jones i think some of that was I mentioned it on Friday. I was worried about Julio in this game because he did not practice or play at all this preseason or in any of the the early season stuff. So I was a little worried it might take him a little bit of time to get into it. I believe he did get a touchdown, if I'm remembering correctly. No, he did not. But uh, 29 yards on three catches. Dennis, are you worried about Julio Jones and Derrick Henry?
2: I don't think I'm worried about them long term. Um, I, I, I didn't expect Julio to have a great game this game, but I, I didn't expect him to have a great game because I felt like Tennessee was going to pound it with uh, Derrick Henry to keep uh, Kyler Murray off the field. So I had Julio as my listed in, as a chump on my champs and chumps. It worked out for my call. It didn't work out for the reason that I thought it was going to work out because Derrick Henry had a really, really terrible game. Um, I think Julio is going to be just fine going forward. They're going to, again, they're breaking in a new offensive coordinator, and as much as things might be the same, things aren't always the same. So they'll settle down. Uh, Tennessee, they don't have a great defense, and I think some of that, uh, given up when they gave up some points to Kyler, then they had to, maybe they adjusted their play calling to try to get some more explosive plays. It just didn't work out. Uh, I think Julio's going to probably be around in that wide receiver three range for the most part. Uh, that's, I think that's where I have him ranked, maybe a high three. I don't think he made it into the twos for me. Um, but yeah, Derrick Henry's going to be fine.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest criticism um, that came after that game was some horrific play calling. Um, You know, new offensive coordinator, some new pieces. Uh, The Titans do not have a particularly easy schedule, especially at the beginning of the season. This next week they have to go to Seattle, a Seattle team that looked pretty good in managing to – Dominate the Colts in Indianapolis this week. So, I think there's. I I don't know if it's concern about these particular players so much as the Titans did not look good in any phase of the game yesterday. And it's not like things get demonstrably easy going forward. The only thing they have going for them is they appear to be in by far the worst division in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think I picked them to be like actually
3: seven, I think seven, and seven, and 10 and nine. nine. Yeah. Oh, seven and ten. Yeah, because there, I know. I know. It's, there Just we go. At the end, you know, Every time I keep, you I keep forgetting. Record. Yeah, because I, I did have the Colts. Uh, I remember I did have the Colts winning the division. Yeah, I'm not worried about Julio. I am a little worried about Derrick Henry. Now, he did get three catches in this game, but Matt, we talked about how bad this defense looked, and we saw it in that game against Arizona. If they're behind a lot, they're eventually going to stop feeding Derrick Henry. So I am a little bit worried about him. And that offensive line, for an offensive line that a lot of people thought was going to be very good, did not look good at all. Against, realistically, J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, because that's about all Arizona has on that defense, Uh, they did not look good in that game at all. So I'm I'm a little bit worried about them as well. Julio, I think, moving forward will be fine.
2: You know, there was an interesting thing I saw on Twitter. Jacob Gibbs, at J.A. Gibbs underscore 23. Anthony Berkser lined up – in the slot or out wide, 83% of the time yesterday, leading all tight ends. That is I mean,
3: interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, he didn't get a ton of targets, but I, I don't recall John U. Smith lining up split out that much. It, it just never felt like that. I could be wrong. Maybe, Maybe Smith did line up more, but 83% he lined up. All right. Next up,
3: we've got the Seattle Seahawks who beat the Colts 28 to 16. Russell Wilson went off, go figure, for four touchdown passes. Um, you know, I'll just let uh, Matt, did I underrate the Seahawks? Because you two, I'm pretty sure, liked him at least a lot more than I did. Uh, I mean, he hit two beautiful moonshots to Tyler Lockett. Uh, I'm glad I had him and Scott Fishbone. Still going to lose, <laughs> go figure. But, anyways, Matt, did I underrate the Seahawks?
1: I think we all underrated them a little bit because I, I think we all had them coming back a little bit. They don't, but they started hot last year, so we'll have to see if it keeps up. But Russ definitely looked like he he came back and looked like what he looked like at the beginning of last season. So you have to wonder, did he get hurt somewhere down the line? Lockett looked good, Metcalf looked good, the whole offense looked good, and they looked uh, dominant. Um, the NFC West definitely came out yesterday and proved that they're. Right now, the best division in the NFL.
2: Yeah. I mean, that one catch Lockett made where he basically looked all the way around, kept tracking the ball, that was a phenomenal catch. Uh, I don't, I, I was just thinking about that catch. I don't remember the question. That and Rashad Penny's
1: heard of him. Did we underestimate the Seahawks?
2: I, I don't think we underestimated them. We're just used to them starting off the season slow. So maybe this this might be their only win for the first four weeks, uh, if they stick true to form. I think Russ is I think Ru- Russ is on a mission this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, if they continue to play like that, then I, I think I definitely did. I did not have him making the playoffs, and I wasn't uh, wasn't expecting him to look this good. Four receptions combined for Pittman and Campbell four receptions and a touchdown for Zach Pascal, which Matt, do you remember who called for the Zach Pascal game on Friday?
1: Yeah, I remember it's the crusher of hopes and dreams sitting to my, uh, whatever direction. (laughs) Uh,
3: I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, is Pascal the guy in the passing game going forward, Matt?
1: Pascal seems like, you know, he just never goes away. So I think he's going to continue to have a role They spread it around a little bit. It's not even just that Pittman and Campbell didn't do that much. They were not really up there on targets. Um, Although it was a lot of checkdowns to Taylor and Hines. Um, So hopefully some of that will reverse, but I I am concerned that we're not going to get the breakout we thought was coming.
2: No, I think Pittman is going to be just fine. I think Pascal is establishing himself as the wide receiver too in Indianapolis. Um, But, you're right. 15 targets went to Heinz, and Jonathan Taylor had eight leading the team in targets. So I feel pretty good about the team where I drafted Taylor uh, at the 103, uh, though I think I lost this week. Um, he, he only rushed for 56 yards on 12 carries. And he, you know, they need to give him the ball about 20 times, uh, but that's just me. Uh, losing a fantasy game, saying that. Uh, Pascal's going to be the wide receiver, too, I think. Uh, uh, As much as I want Paris Campbell to be a thing, uh, I don't think that's going to happen.
3: Yeah, uh, Carson Wentz has never been a guy who really dumps off either, so it was really kind of surprising to see that from Taylor and Hines. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm not necessarily worried about Pittman, more so Campbell, as Dennis just mentioned. I I was hoping,
2: but... I think, Pat, the, the dump-offs, I think, were facilitated by the offensive line. Play.
1: And also because the Colts don't have a robust set of tight ends, which is what he's traditionally used in Philly.
3: Which that, that is very true, which is why I was hoping Paris Campbell would become a thing. But as I have learned over the past couple of years, Frank Reich listens to this show and hates me. So he definitely goes against anything that I want him so to Start
1: do. hyping your boy Zach Pascal.
3: I called for the game and he went with it, which I don't understand whatsoever, but it is what it is. Next up, my guy, the MVP of the 2021 season, Justin Herbert, takes the fighting. Justin Herbert's out there and beats the Washington football team 22-16. What was a little bit concerning, while both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen had good games, Eckler was the main guy in the backfield, but got zero targets. Herbert did mention, though, in an interview after the game, the only reason he didn't jump off was because of how open Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were getting downfield. Washington, a very good defense. Matt, are we concerned at all about Eckler and the lack of targets?
1: I think it's something to watch because most of us thought Eckler was in potentially in line for an RB one season. He ends up getting a touchdown, which helps him, you know, but he only had 57 yards rushing on 15 carries being a power rusher has never been his thing. If he doesn't get heavily involved in the passing game and you're talking about zero targets in a game where they threw 46 times, that's a red flag for me.
2: No. Rich Rebar had an interesting thing, and I'm trying to get to my gallery because I saved it. He had posted today that about Justin Herbert picking up where he left off. Herbert only had about 15. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Uh, Herbert was 8 for 17 for 47.1% completion percentage, 5.6 yards per attempt on first down. On third down, he was 14 to 17. 82.4% for a 9.8 yards per attempt with 12 first downs and a touchdown on third down. So Herbert was killing it on third down. And, uh, you know, I I don't, I don't know. It seems like there's no sophomore slump in <laughs> Oh,
3: he's going to win the MVP. I'm, I'm just letting you know right now. He's he's taking the Chargers to the playoffs. I, Look, I hate it for Eckler's side of things, but if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are going to be as open as they were, especially against, again, a good Washington football team, I don't think he's going to get the dump-offs because you want to get it to your playmakers and Allen and Williams, especially, too, if Williams can stay healthy. On the Washington football side of things, You know, in a way, tragedy is – I shouldn't say tragedy, but they got hit with with an injury here. Ryan Fitzpatrick um, gets a hip flexor injury. They're saying he's going to be out for quite a bit of time. Is this a bad sign for Washington? I mean – Taylor Heneke comes in, and he played pretty good, just just like he did against Tampa Bay in that playoff game. Uh, you know, He didn't look horrible out there, uh, but it definitely looked like it hurt McLaurin a little bit, only gets four targets, does make all four catches, which, by the way, catch of the year already with that catch where he made falling down and turning his head. Uh, I mean, amazing hand-eye coordination on that play. But just for 62 yards, are we concerned, Dennis, with Taylor Heneke being the – a uh, starting quarterback for the Washington football team for, I believe it's at least four to five weeks.
1: They are saying six to eight, possibly longer. So, I, I would, be, I,
2: I almost suspect if they go six and two, while well, Fitzmagic magic is out. Henneke starts the rest of the year. If they go five and three uh, while, while Fitz magic is out, I think they keep Henneke starting uh, until he suffers like consecutive losses. I, I'm not concerned for McLaurin. I I think you know he's the alpha there. They're going to get him the ball. It's different when, you know, you're the the one in practice taking all the reps with the game planning versus you know the guy getting 15 percent of the practice reps with the one. So uh, we'll see what happens next week. You know they've got a great defense. Uh, I I would say that uh, something to make note of is that uh, that uh, Chargers offensive line looks like it's the real deal because they held uh, Chase Young and the boys in check pretty well. So I, I like Henneke to be a serviceable quarterback. I, I don't think he's going to play himself into a fat contract.
1: I'm. There's already rumors that they're looking at quarterbacks, possibly Cam Newton. To come in. I'm not sold after watching the Giants yesterday that uh, Washington wins on a short week on the road against New York. Um, Heineke is okay, but I think that severely limits where this team can go.
2: Well, I thought I saw on NBC Edge that uh, Rivera was quoted as saying that they're not bringing in a quarterback.
3: That that, Rivera did say that earlier today, but then there have been rumors of late, and I don't know how much of that is true either. I think that's a natural one to make because of the Rivera Newton, you know, relationship they've had in the
1: past. Also with a short week playing on Thursday night, I think I believe what they were talking about is are you going to bring somebody in this week? There was no chance they were going to be able to get somebody for this week. Um, yeah, I, I think if Henneke plays like he
3: did yesterday, I think the Chargers have a good defense. I think that the Washington has enough weapons around him and a good enough defense that they can be good is he a game-changer? No. But they're not going to find a game-changer. Even if they bring in Cam Newton, I'm sorry. He's not going to be a game-changer at the quarterback position for them. Um, I do want to touch on real quick before we move on what Dennis mentioned. Uh, with the Chargers offensive line looking much better, uh, Justin Herbert did credit that to Linsley, uh, saying that Lindsley is doing a lot of the calling out on the defensive players now on wh- who to block so that Herbert can focus on diagnosing defenses and knowing where to go with the ball. I'm telling you, they're in for a great season this year. Year. next up the Panthers beat the Jets the, the Sam Darnold revenge game 19 to 14 Corey Davis with goes five for 97 and two touchdowns is he locked in as the wide receiver one for the Jets Dennis
2: was he not locked in as the wide receiver one for the Jets I mean Elijah Moore
3: the, to the moon baby
2: yeah no Davis is the one he was he was he's been the one since he signed it on the dotted line um, I, I, I think Elijah Moore is going to be good. I, I think that, you know, for his profile, for him to be the one you're looking for, Antonio Brown. I don't know if he has that in it. I think Elijah Moore is going to be good, but I think Corey Davis is is the one in the, that Jets offense.
1: Yeah, for me, for at least this year, I think Corey Davis is the one I'm going to trust the most. I think Moore might have some good games, but it'll be more hit or miss.
3: Yeah, he's got to be in your lineups. And and I will say, as much as I am not the biggest fan of Zach Wilson, he went out and had a pretty good day as well. McCaffrey returns with 187 total yards and nine receptions. Matt, I mean, how does he continue to impact this offense in the passing game?
1: Yeah, I think we saw, um, you know, last year, a lot was made about the Panthers having three receivers in the top 25. And could they do it again? And I think we see when when McCaffrey's out there, he basically sucks up the targets of a number one or a number two receiver. He was heavily involved. 21 carries. Uh, He saw a team-leading nine targets. DJ Moore still doing good as a number two, but I think that that means performances from other guys are going to start to be hit or miss. McCaffrey is going to be solid. Moore seems like he's going to be solid. If Robbie Anderson can get a 60-yard bomb, he makes your day. Otherwise, it might be a little bit of tougher fantasy sledding.
2: Yeah, I think there's some – it looks like it's going to be DJ Moore and then is it going to be Terrace Marshall? or Robbie Anderson. It's not going to be both unless one of them has that one catch for 60 yards and a touchdown. You know, Marshall had six targets, only 26 yards on three receptions, but his game that they have him playing is close to the line. Uh, it's going to be – he's likely to, I think, out-target Anderson over the course of the year. But McCaffrey, it, it, you know, he had what, 189 yards, so it's 18.9 Plus, nine receptions. So it's twenty-seven point nine. He's the he's the wide he's the running back one on the week, and he didn't score a touchdown. Yeah, take he's, a nice long drink of
3: that. He's just he's just that damn good. And we thought he was going to be too. We talked a lot about Friday how it was going to be so much fun to see him in this Joe Brady offense, and they did not disappoint. Uh, I think DJ Moore is going to be the guy. The one thing I liked about uh, seeing with. More here as well was the fact that they used him a little bit in the rushing game, which is what they used Curtis Samuel for last year. Obviously, Samuel moves on, so more, I think, could be used in that role with um with Brady moving forward, which could mean more for his fantasy value. Probably the most surprising game of the weekend, the Texans beating the Jaguars 37-221. Starting on the Jaguars side here, James Robinson, a guy we thought, you know, was his his stock was increasing when uh, Travis Etienne unfortunately suffered that injury. He gets out snapped and, and out carried by Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde nine for forty four. Robinson five for twenty five. Uh, doesn't really do much in the receiving game either. Just three for twenty nine. Matt, are we worried at all about James Robinson?
1: Yes, I'm worried about the Jags in general. I didn't think they looked great, but it was not a not a good sign. This this game actually featured two. Backfields um, that were depressing to me.
2: You know, it's. I don't get. I love Carlos Hyde. I am a Buckeye. But man, Jesus Christ, Urban Meyer, what the hell? It's
3: a good old boy, man. It's it's that's what he does. He plays his guys.
2: It's you know, Rob Robinson. <laughs> Robinson is not Christian McCaffrey, but he's not Carlos Hyde either. He's more talented than Hyde at this stage of their career. And I I don't know what Urban's thinking, what he's seeing. We've been calling his hiring a dumpster fire since the day that it's been announced. And it is, you know, it's getting to the point where people are walking by throwing firecrackers and fireworks in it. It's going to be a spectacular dumpster fire. I mean, when you look at Trevor Lawrence in the press conferences, he's like, "Dude, I don't know. No wonder we kicked these guys' ass. You know, I don't know, man. it's
3: yeah. Uh, I will say the one thing we talked about or uh, on like Debbie podcast last year, DJ Chark. Once he got Trevor Lawrence in, that definitely looked good yesterday. Chark, Chark had a really good game, uh, 86 on three for one touchdown. I will say I'm not as worried about James Robinson yet because uh, I do think eventually he will take over as the starter again and be the guy. But All
2: right, hold I mean, on. It don't add up. DJ Chark, good game, three receptions. Dude had 12 targets. And? So either- I mean, that's what. Trevor Lawrence was really, really bad.
3: Oh, Lawrence was bad, but the difference was the difference was he was at least getting some balls to Chark, where Minshew was missing every single one of them last year. All Chark needs is three, baby, and he showed it to you this weekend. And that's all I need. I just need him to put up some fantasy points for the Texans side here. Are the Texans for real? They're the only team in the AFC South with a win right now, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, overall, good game from everybody here. Tyrod looked uh, looked good. Dennis, you called for Mark Ingram to to get the most carries, so you put the hex on me and Matt with the Philip Lindsay talk. Matt, what do you think about the Texans uh, this weekend?
1: They look a lot better than I expected. They also don't look like a team that's trying to intentionally tank, which is the vibe we got from them throughout training camp. Tyrod looked decent. Brandon Cooks looked like he's he wants people to remember his and put respect on his name. So did Mark Ingram. Um, so they might be a dumpster fire still, but they'll be a more fun dumpster fire than the one in Jacksonville. Maybe they're more like a track can fire.
2: Right, right. The, you know it- – Houston, man, uh, they did. They thoroughly exceeded my expectations for the entire season. They can go. They can lose the next 16 in a row. It looks like they're going to compete. Uh, they're going to be a competitive team. They're going to be out-talented, uh, and good teams are going to beat them pretty handily. But if they're playing, you know, the Jets, some of these teams that that aren't as aren't very good, also. They're, they're gonna, they
1: could win three or four games this year as opposed to the one game that all of us gave them. Can we also? Whoa, reflect whoa, on whoa, 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 Well, they, they I have, like, the biggest collection of afterthought forward. players, too. I mean, Danny Amendola yeah. rises from the dead, Mark Ingram rises from the dead, David Johnson at least gets a touchdown, even though they didn't want to play him. Brandon Cooks reminds you he's still semi elite. Yeah.
3: I told you guys, Tyrod Taylor is not as bad as he gets credit for. He is a great game manager, and I picked him to win four wins. We're almost there, baby. We're almost there. Next up, Matt's Denver Broncos beat the New York Giants 27-13. to 13. Melvin Gordon with 10 carries for 31 yards before breaking a 70-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter. Javante Williams with 14 for 45. Matt, coming to you first here as they are your Broncos, who do you trust more in this backfield?
1: Yeah, and they had an exactly 50 50 snap share uh, coming out. I actually thought Javante Williams looked better as a runner. Um, but then, of course, you know, Gordon gets the huge breakaway play there in the fourth quarter. Um, I think they're, they're both going to get a lot of work. Uh, Gordon's probably still the lead guy right now, but I don't think it's going to be too long before Javante takes that over.
2: Well, I mean, Javante out-carried him. They may have had a 50-50 snap share, but if you – what was that, a 70-yard run? So that was what, 10 for 31? Now it looks great at 101 yards and a touchdown. So Williams was slightly outplaying him prior to breaking that long run. But historically, that's Melvin Gordon's game. Three yards, 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 three yards. 70 yards. I mean, that's Melvin Gordon's game. I I still think that they're going to continue to shade, start to keep shading towards Javante Williams. But it was, you know, if you had to start Melvin Gordon yesterday, you felt good.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've been all in on Javante Williams since like week two of the college football season last year before he even got drafted by the Broncos. So I've never been that big of a Melvin Gordon guy. I think he's done everything on volume as Dennis just kind of iterated there. I think Javante Williams is the better running back. He'll take over sooner rather than later. Should also mention Jerry Judy got injured in this game. Uh, Looks like he luckily missed a very serious injury, but likely is going to be out for quite a, a little bit of time here. On the Giants' side, um, nobody looked particularly great. Uh, Sterling Shepard, though, did come in with seven receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown. I mean, I think it's real. Whenever he is healthy, he has been good. Dennis, are are you buying all in on Sterling Shepard one last time?
2: Well, before I answer that question, I just want to say somebody was nice enough to offer me Tim Patrick in a second for my 21 first after uh jerry judy got injured i was like man now he admittedly put in the chat he was sending out low ball offers so you know i was like no i don't think so anyway is that like
1: just admitting that you're an asshole no he
2: basically he's like look i'm gonna send out some lowish ball offers and you know see if we can get something started negotiate up you know it wasn't i think if i was maybe a contending team but i mean patrick would have been like my wide receiver eight so, I mean, I was pretty stacked at wide receiver. If he had offered me a running back, maybe we would had, had something going. Anyways, you're right. Sterling Shepard produces when he's healthy. If he can stay healthy, and there were some rumblings this offseason that he was the one showing the most connection uh, w- with Daniel Jones. I hope he stays healthy. I do roster him in three or four places uh, and, and, and having to start him. Uh, as I say that out loud, I think a couple of those are teams I would really rather lose, so maybe this will give me an opportunity to, to recoup some draft capital. You know, Shepard has always been one of those guys that I've liked that just could never put it together. He's the wide receiver version of Rashad Penny for me, but he's healthier.
1: I'm. A, it was. It was very frustrating. Both he and Darius Slayton looked pretty good against a a very decent secondary the Slayton third play of the game offensively went for 42 yards over the over Kyle Fuller. Shepard looked great yesterday, had a 37 yard touchdown, had a number of clutch catches. He looked really good. And I, I'm going to say, I, I've been down on Daniel Jones. He looked really good. Even that one fumble was kind of just an incredible defensive play. He had two hands on the ball, and Denver was just swinging and punched it out. He looked a lot better than he did last year. Hmm. I wonder who's been Danny. saying that. Danny Dimes, baby. Yeah, I give credit where credit's due to Danny and to you. Go ahead, Dennis. Took the ball
2: away. Uh, I still I'm, – I'm, I'm afraid of Galladay's hamstrings, but – he, he, he yeah, too.
3: he's not. He's he's really making me regret that uh, DeAndre Hopkins trade I made the offseason. Yeah. Dolphins beat the Patriots, seventeen to sixteen. Gaskin with nine carries for forty-nine yards, five receptions for twenty-seven. Dennis, did we see enough to feel confident about his role moving forward? Yes.
2: I mean, yeah. what I I, I mean, Salvan no, that's Ahmed, that's good. Yeah. Salvin Ahmed and Malcolm Brown. I, I I think you know he's a. He has three down capability. I just don't think he necessarily has 25 touch durability.
1: Yeah, I think he's a mid to low end running back, too, in this offense right now.
2: Yeah,
3: I, I am right there with you guys. I talked about it all last year. I thought he was going to end up being a running back, too. He finished his season as a running back, too. He's he's going to be a good player for them. On the Patriots side, Damian Harris with 100 rushing yards, two receptions. He had a crucial fumble, though. Can he be an RB2 this season, Matt?
1: He can. I, w- I was happy with the usage. It'll be interesting to see because it was right at the end of the game and it definitely, sadly, cost them the game, how much uh, that fumble alters their play. I still don't totally trust Patriot running back rotations, but I was pleasantly surprised with his usage.
2: Yeah. If if he comes out, starts next week, carries the ball six or eight times in it in the first few you know eight or 10 plays that then I think it's it's then he's good. I mean, he looked good. He was explosive. He he did everything but score a touchdown. He caught all three of his targets or two of three targets for 17 yards. I mean, I I liked what Harris was putting down this
3: Yep, I I was all in on him last year. I think he'll be fine. Stevenson had a big fumble as well. I think that's just that that Dolphins defense is really, really good. I think Harris will be fine. The biggest thing will be something Dennis mentioned. Will he score touchdowns? That I am worried about, but I think he's going to be the guy in between the 20s, getting them a whole bunch of yards, some catches here and there. Touchdowns is what will be the thing that boosts him up into that RB2 territory. Next up... The Brown. I'm not going to say the Chiefs coming. The Browns choking away a win here, losing to the Chiefs, 33 229 29. On the Brown side here, three receptions for 72 yards for David and Joku. Dennis, do you think a big year is coming for Mister for the Chief?
2: I'd love to think it, but I. I mean, he was still outsnapped by uh, Hooper significantly, and without going and looking real quickly, I'm not sure uh, how many snaps Bryant played. I know Bryant was playing over him last year. He, he did when he came into the league. He looked athletic. He went and got the ball. Uh, he has issues with drops he's got to work on. We've, we've all been waiting. We hoped he would go somewhere else in the offseason, you know, and get an opportunity to to be the starter somewhere. But he was exciting. I was more concerned with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones playing so much and only getting what one target uh, over Anthony Schwartz, who was like Mike Tysoning the ball every time it was thrown to him. It's like the dude has rock hands. Every time it was thrown, he's like battling it, trying to bring it in. I I, uh, I don't know. I was I, I'm not big on Schwartz. I wasn't in the draft, so we'll see.
1: OBJ didn't play, so I would like to see how he kind of settles, you know, what happens when he settles in there. But there's a reason that I was pretty high on where I thought Baker would finish, but not exceptionally high on where any single Browns receiver might finish. They use three tight ends, they use four receivers, they use two running backs. I think they have an embarrassment of riches, and they're going to use all these guys some. I was encouraged by how Njoku looked, but I don't know if I'm ready to roll him out there as a tight end starter.
3: Yeah, I am not because I think when Baker comes back, you're going to see a lot more of Odell and Schwartz on the field because of Schwartz's speed, and I think that's where Odell comes in in a major way. Um, so I, I'm with you though on that too, Matt. You know, I talked about I hope ba- I hope Odell ends up finishing as high as you and Brandon thought he could. I'm a little bit further down because while I expect him to throw. When they need to, it's still going to be a run-friendly offense. Uh, but they looked good yesterday for you know for a team that I was told couldn't compete and a quarterback that nobody was scared of. Uh, they looked pretty damn good in that game. Uh, tough loss, but I, I think that they had a really good showing um, overall. Quiet game for C E H. Dennis, is this what we should expect all season from him?
2: I I think so. It's good. you know they they don't have to run the ball. Andy Reid has no allegiance to running the ball. Uh, CEH is going to be the lead back. He's going to pro- play the most snaps. But it wouldn't surprise me if he leads the running backs and touches on a weekly basis with 12 to 14.
1: Yeah, they're not a power running team, and he's not Le'Veon Bell, so he's not going to you know be equally dominant in the receiving game. It's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and that's the only people you should feel confident that you're gonna get good performances from week in, week out. Yep. Agree
3: one hundred percent. I've said that from the beginning. I didn't love CEH landing there. Thought he was overdrafted. I think he's probably a very good RB two every single week, but I don't see him being some game changer like uh, Kareem Hunt was when he was there with uh with Andy Reid and Alex Smith. Uh Actually, I take back what I said earlier. This was definitely the most surprising game of the weekend. We thought it was going to be a blowout. We did not expect it to be the Saints blowing out the Packers 38-3. Matt, we didn't get an R-E-L-A-X from Aaron Rodgers, but he said it's not really time to panic. He's not worried about it. Are you panicking about the Green Bay offense?
1: Well, they've been at odds off the field for quite a while, and you wondered what was that going to impact on the field. They were a completely flat-looking team. I don't know what was more disturbing to me yesterday, their play on the field or the fact that Aaron Rodgers looked like Lieutenant Dan during that period of time in Forrest Gump after the war but before he got into the shrimping business. That haircut, um, as soon as I saw that, I knew we were in trouble.
2: Oh, man, why you got to rag on the dude relaxation haircut? <laughs> he, he, he's looking a little grimy. Um, I mean, he just was inaccurate yesterday. and for Yeah, which you I, never see. Right. And, and you know, that, that interception thrown to MVS, you know, MVS is supposed to drop that, not Rodgers throwing interception, you know, we're like an upside down land or backwards world or something. Yeah, I agree though with Rogers. It's the first game. It's one game. At this point, it's not really. It's not making or breaking their season. I think they'll go back. They'll get their shit together and they'll be competitive.
3: Yeah, I'm still not worried about him. I picked him to be the best team in the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. We just see this every year from Rodgers. Even last year in the MVP year, he has a really bad game here or there. Uh, You know, he really, as Matt, you mentioned, there was a lot of weird off-the-field stuff with them this year. Um, I think it's going to take a little bit of time to them get fully back into that groove again. So I'm not worried about it. It's just one of those things where – you know, the Saints came out, they punched him in the mouth, and, and Rodgers looked frustrated, just didn't look like they really got their groove going, and it showed, and the Saints continued to pile on. Uh, so I'm not too worried about it. On the Saints' side, Jameis Winston looked really good. Uh, Matt, do you think that we're in for a big year for him in New Orleans?
1: Well, you know, the last time he was a full-time starter, he I think he was QB3, you know, in 2019. His bugaboo has always been turnovers. He looked uh, good yesterday. That being said, the Packers clearly imploded. I mean, he had five touchdown passes on only 20 throws, only 148 yards. They had a strong running game. Um, You know, Sean Payton seemed to believe in him, and I think we were worried. I Personally, I was worried about the lack of receiving weapons. It doesn't seem like it matters.
2: Juwan Johnson, the the Mm -hmm. new Marcus Colston, you know, TMR was – he dropped a nugget in the chat before the game for the uh, Jimmy Buffett Scott Fishbowl. He's like, you know, he goes, they were high on Johnson before any injuries, and we're looking at him as a weapon over Troutman. Johnson looked good, man.
1: Breaking all of our hearts.
3: Last game, the Sunday night football game was competitive for quite a while but the Rams eventually pulled away winning 34 to 14. The Bears lost but the offense moved well. David Montgomery went for 100 plus yards. Dennis, how do we feel about Andy Dalton and Justin Fields after the first game?
2: Well, one of them is good and one of them is barely palatable. I mean, I Dalton, I mean, this is what the Bears season is going to look like if they keep starting Dalton. It may not be a lot better if they start Fields, but it's going to be more exciting, and you're going to have hope that things are going in a growth direction. Fields, that that throw he made, he he looks comfortable out there, and he's making the right moves. I, I get that Dalton is likely. To make fewer mistakes, but he's also likely to give you so much less upside that it that you're not in the oppor- you're not in a position to make mistakes. So I I don't know. Again, maybe it's my OSU blinders. It I got them. I admit it. I wear my I got my scarlet and gray glasses on. But I think Justin Fields is the shit, and they should be starting him.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to continue to use them. You know, next week the the way they did bringing them in on packages, the Bears moved the ball quite a bit better than I thought they would against the Rams, but they made some crucial turnovers. They their line is sort of trash. I'm wondering if that's part of the hesitancy of throwing because Andy Dalton got lit the f up a couple of times in that game. Um, But it's gonna if if they have another blowout against the Bengals, he's done. I think so I think our, the line course, being bad is
2: – Our offensive line is terrible. So let's play the quarterback that can't really move. More.
3: That's what I was going to say. I mean, that's why you need to put yeah. Fields out there because he can't extend plays with his leagues and and, and a lot I mean, of the,
1: A lot of the talk last night, if you were listening to them, was that in talking to Nagy, they don't want Justin Fields to be running. So well nobody wants I, him to run but I
3: mean that's what Ryan Day tried to hold him back from doing at Ohio State too and he still did it at times. He only does it, he doesn't do it like a Lamar Jackson that's the problem. Yeah. A lot of people just think that he does he doesn't. He never did in college. He does it when he needs to. When you have a bad offensive line like that, I think it's a plus Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think he starts by week three. I I don't think you can start him next week. It's the Andy Dalton revenge game. I mean, you got to let Andy Dalton go out there and try and beat the Bengals, right?
1: If they beat the Bengals, though, there's no way. Then
3: you still go to Justin Fields because Justin Fields is better, and he's going to take him to the playoffs. I've said it before. I'm going to continue to say it. I'm all in on the Bears to the playoffs because of Justin Fields. Stafford went for 300-plus, and Darrell Henderson looks solid, rushing for a touchdown. Tyler Higby, five for six on six targets, second most on the team. Dennis, is this finally Higby's year?
2: I think it's – yeah, maybe. I mean, there's Cooper Cup, there's Robert Woods, there's Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, Higby, Henderson. My question isn't so much as this Higby's year – because Higby will get, you know, he's going to be in the tight end eight to eight to fifteen range, I think, at the end of the year. But did Sony Michelle really not pick up that much of the playbook that he was like in there for three plays or four plays, and that's it?
1: Yeah, I mean, they suggested on, on the broadcast that the plan going into the game was that Michelle may not play at all and would be severely limited. We, we know that that Rams playbook and understanding everything playbook. is incredibly... Yeah. I mean, as good as Cam Akers is, it took him over half a season to master it enough that they felt comfortable putting him out there. I. That's where... I don't think Michelle is going to be huge, but I was encouraged by Higby's usage. I was encouraged by the fact they were looking for him. I don't think running is going to be a dominant part of what the Rams do. And I think Higby has potential to be that third option. Nope.
3: He's done it before. I bet he's doing it again. He bring he, he, it's a, the, the Al Pacino quote from Godfather. Once I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. That's what Higby does every year. You think you're out on him. Then that first game he goes out there, looks like a tight end one. You're like, I'm back, baby. Spend half your fab on him, put him on your team. And then he ends up finishing as like tight end 23. Now,
1: look, I just need to hope happen. he does well because I benched Rob Gronkowski and put Higby in there on Thursday afternoon. And, I yeah
3: i uh i in scott fishbowl i benched rob gronkowski for uh, alan robinson um and looks like i'm about to um lose by uh 15 points and if you guys didn't know scott fishbowl is uh tight end premium and rob gronkowski scored 34 points alan robinson got me a whopping 9.5 baby so uh starting scott fishbowl 11 off just like I did last year in the losing column. All right, that will do it for us tonight. Uh, Looks like Monday Night Football will be kicking off here in about 10 minutes, so I hope you guys enjoy the game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Las Vegas Raiders. Matt and myself will be back tomorrow to recap the Monday Night Football game, go over some waiver wire articles as well. Everybody, good luck if you still have anybody riding in this game tonight that needs to get you a win. Let's all hope. Mark Andrews. Not over eight points. Not over eight points. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready.
1: Do
0: you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. It is in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown! I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throwing up above his head. They can't jump with me. Die, leave! Only oh, tackle in the corner. Who can make a play? I can't! can make a play i, I can, can.